0: Hello, and thanks for listening to Forward, a podcast about the compelling stories, important issues, and memorable art that move us. My name is Mari.
1: And my name is Christopher.
0: Thanks for joining us.
1: Today, we're talking about play. You know, that thing kids do when they're not at school or doing homework, and specifically how the idea of play can fit into an adult's life. Before that, we'll get started with our article forward segment, where we each share two stories that got us thinking this week. Mari, what do you have for us?
0: So this is an article from NPR. It's called, uh, Is It Time to Bring Risk Back into Our Kids' Playgrounds? Basically, uh, it says there's a growing movement in the UK to integrate risk into playgrounds, you know, things like tall structures, um, having bushes that are kind of spiky and just leaving them in like in the play area, uh, allowing children to build fires in the play area, you know, under supervision. But you know, having that sort of element of risk where there's a little bit of danger and the kids need to navigate that. Um, And so that's that's a growing movement, like I said, in the UK. And the article is kind of saying, you know, are we are we going to start seeing this more in the U.S.? And they referenced the uh, free range kids movement, which is sort of gaining traction in some parts of the U.S. is basically the idea that you can let your kids go out and, you know, go play in the neighborhood and take the bus by themselves or with their friends uh, and that you don't need to be supervising them 100% of the time. And so this kind of uh, goes along with that a little bit where it's like giving kids opportunity to assess risks for themselves. And um, the article is saying that allowing kids to experience risk in these sort of controlled ways um, helps them build the skills that they need in order to navigate real risks in real life. And so it's definitely something that I'm interested in and something we'll, we'll talk about a little bit, I think, in our discussion later. There's a there's actually a good quote in here about play and about like risk in play and and uh, how it's important for for kids and it's kind of like comes from this like evolutionary heritage that we have as primates. Um, they said. I would say that risk and risky play in particular is a vital part of our animal primate heritage. It is through our engagement with risk or any unfamiliar or, uncon- or uncomfortable situation in the context of play, which is of course fun for a juvenile animal of any species, but in other contexts as well, that we learn how to use our bodies safely to interact with the physical and social changes in the environment. And I, I definitely agree with that. I think that giving kids the opportunity to exercise their their skills and you know use their bodies and even just understand how their bodies work and like getting their balance and understanding how strong they are and like what they can do and getting better at those things so that they can navigate you know real risks in the future is something that's really important so i thought it was an interesting article just a short article from npr kind of about these trends and like interviewing a couple people about building risk into kids play and like what that can do for them
1: Now that's really cool so my article is called i'm not black i'm kanye so there's obviously no shortage of articles dissecting Kanye West's recent comments about his love of Trump and their dragon energy connection. But if there was one writer I could really count on to say something above the rest, it was going to be ta Coates, who's the author of the best-selling book Between the World and Me and Marvel's Black Panther comic. In his article in The Atlantic, Coates makes the case that what's behind Kanye's Trump comments and some of his more controversial behavior over the last year is a desire for freedom, white freedom. Coates supports his case with a story of another black icon's rise and fall, Michael Jackson. He talks about his experience discovering Jackson as a boy and the profound impact that had on him and the black community, and that to many people, Jackson was essentially God, given his elevated and otherworldly place in their society. It's this elevated stature and fame that has the power to distort one's perspective and make people feel above the limitations of their day-to-day life, similar to the freedoms of people who are white and wealthy sometimes experience. And Coates himself is actually no stranger to the dangers of fame, which he talks about at length in the article. In his own words he actually says in 2015 he was the recipient of a mere fraction of the kind of celebrity that Kanye West enjoys and as a result he says quote unquote he almost lost his mind. Coates weaves in his own experiences along with Jackson's legacy and West's ever-present stardom to create this really honest story about fame and humility and one's desires and their limitations. If you're a Kanye West fan or just kind of fascinated with the lives of the icons that shape our culture, I think this article is definitely worth a read.
0: Awesome, that sounds really cool. Definitely always interested to hear from Tana Coates.
1: Next up is our forward thinking segment. In this segment, we take a closer look at one topic that's been on our minds. This episode, we're taking the issue of play seriously, or at least discussing from a more scientific perspective what it means to play, And how this activity can fit into adults lives which we more often associate with work than the free spirited lives of children we all know what it means for kids to play or at least we think we do most of us picture kids having fun in the park riding their bikes aimlessly on sticky summer days and throwing, shooting, or kicking some kind of ball around. However, according to experts in the field of child development, play is actually a very specific term used to describe a specific type of activity. Almost all instances of play share the same core principles. And these same experts agree that regardless of what form it takes, play is not only essential to a child's mental and physical development, which we talked about a little bit earlier, but also, just to a person's well being. However, for most adults, the last time they played was in college, or maybe their last short vacation from work. How can this idea of play better fit into their lives? Mari, before we get started, perhaps we share some of the core principles that define play according to the experts in the field.
0: For sure. So, Christopher and I went to a lecture recently, which is sort of where this stems from. It was uh, a lecture by Peter Gray, who is uh, an expert in this field, and he's uh, written a lot about it. He has a TED Talk. He's really great. Definitely recommend checking him out. Do a little Google. Uh, he, you will learn a lot. And he proposed five aspects that define play, and this this educative sort of play that uh, that children are naturally inclined to do uh, if you let them. And uh, the they are as follows: one, play is self chosen and self directed. Players are always free to quit. Two. Play is activity in which means are more valued than ends. Three, play is guided by mental rules. Four, play is non-literal, imaginative, marked off in some way from reality. And five, play involves an active, alert, but non-stressed frame of mind. So basically what this means is that play is an activity that you choose to do yourself. This is something that you want to do. You're not being rewarded for doing this. You won't be punished if you don't do it. It's just something that you choose to do and you are free to stop doing it at any time the process is what is important rather than the product of what you're doing so you know when you're when you think about kids playing in the sort of like classic sense you know not in this sort of like more organized sports sort of that we're more used to seeing now you think about you know kids making up a game right they start off with a ball and you're they're kind of just like kicking it around but then they start to say well okay So you have to kick it this way and you have to hit it on this tree and you have to do this and blah, blah, blah. And they kind of keep making up these new rules and adjusting to the rules and teaching other kids the rules. And they may or may not even be keeping score. They may may or may not care who wins. It's more about just like, okay this is how you do it. See if you can get the ball over there. See if you can do it in one kick. See if you can do it like this. And it's much more about the process. Uh, That also goes into rule number three, which is that play is guided by mental rules. And uh, a lot of people, when they think about play, they think of it as just like a sort of free, you know, casual, like no rules, um, no structure sort of thing. But Dr. Gray argues that that's not true. Uh, In fact, like in the example I just described, Anytime kids or you know adults who are engaging in real play come together, rules start to develop naturally. But the important thing is that they come from the players and they're made up by the players and all the players agree to them. And that's kind of the that's kind of the core of any game, right? Is that okay? These are the rules, and if you don't play by these rules, you're not really playing the game. Um, but the important thing about this sort of educative play that we're talking about is that the rules come from the players and it's something that they all choose together and there's negotiation involved and there's talking involved and they you know it's this is uh, something that's developed through this like social activity uh, another thing that's really important in those rules is that play involves an active alert but non-stressed frame of mind and um dr gray refers to this also as uh, something that's been called flow Where's where you get into this state of mind where you're in the groove you know you're you're alert you're active like maybe even you're working hard but you're not stressed like this is just like what you like to do and you're and you're doing it and it feels good so that's kind of the backbone of what we're talking about here is like these sort of core principles of how dr gray defines play and you could even see just in those rules how activities like that would be not just fun but also really restorative and really freeing and also um, a great way to learn things you know because you're intrinsically motivated to do it
1: no totally and for me for this whole discussion before i could really leap into thinking about how someone who's older could incorporate play into their lives you have to address one thing and that's the time limitations that are placed on someone who is working or someone who is at least 21 years of age mm-hmm. and just for a fun exercise because I feel like I've always had this in my head I started to jot down realistically how many hours in the day would you have to play ultimately after this whole exercise I ended up in a best-case scenario you have about three hours of freedom Uh, and that's when you take out work that's when you take out your commute getting ready for work kind of coming home and putting your bag away or whatever else you need to sleeping and so really at the end of the day three hours of freedom but Mm -hmm. that is even maybe a little too generous I really left us with two hours in this three hour scenario you literally don't talk to your partner or your spouse at all Mm -hmm. there's no time for talking so you know you gotta assume you need to be a human so two hours that you could potentially play a day I would say is a pretty daunting barrier just Mm -hmm. to start with
0: but you know you think about like kids playing like sometimes it takes 30 minutes to figure out what you want to do and like get into the the game and like decide how it's going to go and like make up those mental rules and stuff. That's even a huge barrier in and of itself is like, what do I do? You yeah. know, as, a, as an adult, I think it's such a a hard thing to even figure out what you want to do in your free time, if, if you have free time, you know?
1: Well, I'm actually glad you brought that up. In my notes, I have a section titled, what are even some examples mm-hmm. of the way that some adult could play? because it's so not familiar again when you only have two hours let's say and you only have yourself plays kind of lonely Mm -hmm. most play you're used to doing with someone else right um and kind of what I was thinking about is I think the closest way to describe play for someone who's older is their hobby most often hobbies are play but not all play is a hobby Mm -hmm. because hobby is is something that you do over long periods of time and it's a piece of your life play sometimes is just a one-off thing for Mm -hmm. the most part and i don't think adults know how to even do that
0: yeah you know i i think especially in american culture right um There's always this feeling of you need to be productive. You need to be working towards something. You know, there needs to be a product, right? There's, we're very product focused. Like, what's the point of this? What are you getting out of it? What's going to be the end result of whatever you're doing? And the idea being that that if there isn't a product or if you kind of don't have a product in mind and you're not really thinking about it, that you're wasting your time. Dr. Gray would argue that that that's exactly the opposite is true because the process is what's important.
1: Yeah, Going to that lecture and just thinking more about this and even reading more about this, it's been oddly liberating Mm -hmm. for me solely in the sense that there's been so many small activities I wanted to do over the years, and I've literally not done them, even though I know I would have a fun time because I'm like, what's the point? Mm -hmm. What's the purpose of me doing this frivolous activity and then now when I look back, I'm like, I was brainwashed.
0: Totally. You're uh, brainwashed by society. Yes. It's interesting you use the word frivolous because that's something that Dr. Gray talks about too, is that, you know, uh, play is thought of as frivolous. And he said, well, you know, it's it, it's interesting. It's kind of a paradox because it is frivolous, uh, but it's also crucial and important and not frivolous at all. But part of what makes play uh, great for learning and like something that kids and adults actually want to do And the thing that makes it not stressful is that it's frivolous. You know, it's nothing is depending on this. You know, your paycheck isn't depending on it. Your life isn't depending on it. It's just something to do that's enjoyable. And that's what makes it important.
1: I think the funniest thing for me is I definitely did think that it was frivolous. But play obviously brings you joy. So by extension, I thought joy was frivolous, right? That like I didn't need to have joy in my day, right? No,
0: I think that is exactly (laughs) what american work culture makes people think
1: no i mean you kind of get this idea that if you're unproductive you're lazy which mm-hmm. i feel like we've talked about on a previous podcast yep. and even if you're having too much fun like you're not working hard yeah, enough, like you're
0: doing something wrong you're like doing you something be, wrong yeah you shouldn't be having that much fun it's not fair
1: no and no one ever says that to a kid obviously
0: right dude they do though in my student teaching there's this one kid who like just likes to make other people laugh so he'll kind of like goof around a little bit and he gets wailed on every time by the teacher who's just like what are you doing you you should be working all of and this kid's 4 you know yeah. and i no i think that even kids are are getting this and that's kind of a, another another conversation for another day but i think that's part of the problem is that this you know our like work obsessed culture is filtering down even into little little kids and play is disappearing not just from adults lives but from kids lives too
1: well and when you really consider all the benefits of play you start to really question like oh my god why haven't i been doing this more and and in the lecture we went to they focused on mostly the benefits for kids i just did this little exercise on my own to figure out what's kind of the natural extension for people who are older And we talked about this already, like obviously there's a fun component, there's joy, which is needed. There's this sense of that you feel accomplished, that you're doing something, you kick the ball the farthest, if that's the rules of Mm -hmm. the game, and and, and that makes you feel good. Mm -hmm. Um, It's an outlet for you to express yourself. It helps you discover yourself kind of on the same extension, and it just gives you this sense of freedom. Mm -hmm. And after listening to all this stuff, I'm like, all that sounds really great. Why don't we do more of this?
0: Exactly. Well, like, uh, if you don't mind, I, like, I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, play in the context of, of kids to maybe give yeah. a little bit more context. Um, so, the yeah, so like kind of everything we've been saying, but uh, a lot of the sort of alternative educational models that people know about, like particularly like Montessori is the most famous, but there's also aggressive education from John Dewey. Um, Reggio Emilia is a big one. You know, Waldorf is another one. Uh, high scope, all, but all of these, all of these different like educational models are um, models for schools. Like they're intended to be for schools. And like some of them are for little kids, some of them are, are meant for, you know, older kids like Montessori can go up through high school. But what they all have in common is that the students are intended to choose what they work on, you know, choose what they do. And they work in, independently or with, or with other students. But um, but the idea is that they have materials that they can work with and play with. They choose what they're choose what they working on. And they are deciding um, kind of how to spend their time. And like they're using the materials constructively to explore. And they, it's I mean, it's been shown that in these models, which are so counter to the way that traditional public education is in the United States, uh kids learn stuff like in Montessori kids like young kids learn how to multiply and divide and they are able to do it because they have you know they have good materials that have like a purpose but they are also able to learn because they're interested in it and they they choose to do it and I think that you know adults can see that in their own lives where it's so much easier to learn something when you care about it
1: oh I mean everything meaningful I've learned Over the last maybe even three or four years, I learned solely because it was Mm self-motivated. And it's actually helped me in work, too. Mm -hmm. But I never would have learned it otherwise. Totally. And, you know, everyone
0: can identify with the experience of, like, being in high school or, you know, middle school or elementary school and the teacher's droning on about something and you don't remember it now, obviously, because you didn't care. It was boring. It wasn't something that you wanted to do. Someone else was forcing you to do it. And if someone else is forcing you to do something, it's just not going to be meaningful to you and you're not going to get anything out of it.
1: I love that you use the word meaningful mm-hmm. because at the end of my exercise to write out all the benefits of play, what I kind of came to the conclusion is is play one of the very few things, kind of besides love of other people, mm-hmm. that gives your life meaning.
0: Yeah. I think even having the opportunity to explore and Kind of like we were, I was talking about in the, the article about risk, like getting to know like how your body works um, and also getting to know yourself in social situations and see how you react to things and like learning how to uh, interact with other people constructively. The, those are things that will make life easier for you all around, like mm-hmm. not just in the workplace, but just everything in your life will be much easier for you and much better. If you are able to develop those skills, and, you know, what Dr. Gray was arguing is that the best way to develop those skills is through, like, free play. Uh, And I think that, you know, as an adult, like, even though, you know, maybe you're not intending to try to learn stuff through your play, like you were just saying, you do learn stuff. Naturally, it just happens. You know, like, a good example is if you're trying to learn how to draw, you know, you kind of just start. It's fun. You like it. You, you know, you do it a little bit, you try to draw something, you know, you kind of pick it up every now and then. And then in the process of just doing it because you like to do it, you get better at it because that's what practicing is. But it's not like the mandated, like, you know, hour of piano practicing that your parents made you do. It's just your play and you learn how to get better just through this natural process.
1: Yeah, I mean, just the sheer fact that I like to write I think my emotional development has been vastly improved through this largely frivolous activity you know the world isn't waiting on my next masterpiece right you know but it you know it's something I do and it's something I use to explore my thoughts and that pays dividends everywhere Mm -hmm. in terms of even just my relationship with you Mm -hmm. and my friends i have a better understanding of the world and that just didn't come from nowhere but it came from this frivolous activity it was great
0: yeah absolutely another thing that dr gray kind of argued was that um for kids play is it's a social thing like you play with other kids and like playing by yourself doesn't have the same kind of like meaning and it isn't as educative as playing with other kids and you when you talk about like the social development and that kind of thing you can totally understand where that comes from uh, I do think, though, as adults, ha- having play by yourself is not necessarily a bad thing, especially when you're talking about something like writing or drawing. Writing and drawing are, are pretty solitary activities. You know, it's something that you, you kind of do like you and your tools and your mind. And I think, like you were saying, that is kind of where hobbies come from. You know, it's it it's that instinct that we have to play. That is in every human. And I think because we're so overworked, when you're not working, you want to just do nothing because you're so tired. And so I think that even hobbies are kind of falling away because at the end of the day, you, can't even, you don't even have the energy to try to draw or do something like that. So you just watch Netflix.
1: No, I mean, that is one of the biggest barriers outside of time. Because what I wrote down in my exercise, I got to two hours. But realistically, even that is a lie. Mm-hmm. It's really one hour, at least depending on where you place the hour. If mm-hmm. it's the first thing you do in the morning, you know, you hear about people all the time going to the gym before work mm-hmm. or getting up to read or something like that. That's truly full energy they can have play. Trying to think you're going to do something in the evening? No way. Hey, you're exhausted, man. You're beat. Yeah. So the... the. The time is really a huge component plus the energy. It almost drops the availability down to zero. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's like you only have time on the weekend. And
1: again, kind of everything we talked about, you really kind of get in better touch with yourself Mm -hmm. um, through play. And Mm -hmm. it's weird to think that you don't have energy to be yourself Mm -hmm. because even in these mindless activities, they're exactly that they're mindless Mm -hmm. you're just this husk for (laughs) content on netflix and facebook
0: yeah yeah so it's like it's it's not just the time right it's the energy you know the energy to actually do something play does take energy it doesn't stress you out so it doesn't um, expend your energy in that way but you you need to be able to do something you know and there could be arguments to be made for like oh maybe like some types of of content consumption can be considered play um and that's maybe another conversation but um but yeah in general like play is doing something you know and when you're so exhausted from from your day at work you can't like you feel like you can't do anything
1: no i mean i wrote down a few ideas about how adults can play more Mm -hmm. just to try to test myself to see if it was really possible and we actually touched on a few of them here um but i think that idea of scheduling Is so important. Mm -hmm. When you're grown, if you want it done, you got to schedule it. And it sounds so lame because it feels like you're about to turn play into work, Mm -hmm. but you do need to kind of manage your life. It Mm -hmm. just doesn't happen. But that idea of not turning play into work, I mean, that's the greatest fault of my life. (laughs) Um, Because you get so brainwashed into being productive and managing a project and producing something that. Almost just kind of over the last couple of months, I've started to unwind mm-hmm. and realize that I've kind of been self-sabotaging mm-hmm. a lot of my play and turning it into work, mm-hmm. into a product that needs to be presented to whom mm-hmm. I don't know. No one's waiting for it except for me.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and I, I think even this podcast is a good example. It's just kind of something that we wanted to do, and you know, I know a little bit about you know, audio stuff and whatever and like, you know, you are good with the sort of writing and research portion. And so we kind of were just like, we'll oh, figure it out. You know? Let's <laughs> just like we know enough that we'll, you know, we'll just kinda start recording and like kinda see where it goes. And um and yeah, I think just in in the process of doing it, we've kind of come up with better ways to 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 think about it and better ways to do it and hopefully we're getting better. I don't know. You guys can tell us. But um it's it's mostly just something that's enjoyable to do you know we we like the the process of doing it and uh, you know I'm not super concerned with how many people are listening to it or anything like that like put like putting it out and like editing it and finishing it and putting it out is part of the process and like that's
1: enjoyable too but I'm you know I'm not concerned about getting famous or anything off this podcast it's just fun well and it's so fun you bring up all that Because even in the earlier days of the podcast, which we're still in the early days as well, like like the eighth Eighth, episode, I was more focused on like, we got to hit this deadline for doing the podcast. (laughs) Like, again, I these like, you know, this like imaginary audience Uh is waiting for my work. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it just kind of poisons the whole well. And and suddenly it's not fun. Mm -hmm. It's not an area where you can fail which mm-hmm. I think is absolutely crucial because really, how else are you going to learn? No one's right. great at everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even the fact that it's something we put out on social media,
0: mm-hmm.
1: there's some kind of accountability yeah. where if I don't do it, I feel like my friends are going to be like, look at that. They started something. <laughs> They're lazy. They stopped doing it. They can't commit to anything. That's funny. Um, and I know they wouldn't actually think that, but – no. Just, just even the idea of social media turns your life into work a little bit, right? Well, You're yeah, kind of finding the latest thing to broadcast, produce something. It's well, exhausting.
0: Yeah. I mean, that even kind of goes back to one of our earlier conversations where social media turns your life into content. Yeah. And in that way, it also kind of turns your life into product, right?
1: I, I distinctly remember times, kind of coming home from work, thinking like, I haven't posted an, on, you know, on. <laughs> some social channel in a while i should probably capture a picture I, even to say it now i feel like an idiot
0: right um, like, and, no go on well I, you know it's it's so funny like the more you talk about play and kind of like different things that go into it the more i see that you can apply these principles to really anything like mm-hmm. you can apply it to a person's use of social media you know like let's say you know you're like me and you like you like instagram if you are super focused on you know the number of likes and the number of followers and you know th- stuff like that um it starts to become work and it's it you can stress yourself out that way by you know uh, focusing on this like sort of end end product of of your posting um when at the end of the day like that's something you can't control you can't control how many people like your posts or like how many people are following you you know but if you're more interested in just like you know, taking nice pictures that you like and you think are cool and like making them look as good as you can and posting it to share with your friends or whatever, um, then it's more of a, a play situation where that's something that, you know, you're like exercising a certain skill, you know, like photography and you're like, or like photo editing and you're kind of thinking about things in different ways and it's something that you can get some meaning out of.
1: I I'm actually really glad you said all that because despite me kind of shaming myself earlier and saying that i'm you know paranoid about my rate of content Mm -hmm. creation i think realistically using instagram in just like a frivolous way Mm -hmm. has made me so much more of like a visual thinker Mm -hmm. and i've gotten progressively better at editing photos Mm -hmm. and thinking about how a photo is composed And I'm like the least visual thinker ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you're a words guy. Yeah,
1: but I do feel so much more capable now than even just I was a couple years ago because I never took any photos. I never had to think about what makes a good photo because I just took whatever. Mm -hmm. But having to take the extra step of putting it out there induced this part to the process where I'm like, oh, I'm going to think about that and practice and Mm -hmm. get better.
0: Right, well, and that's kind of another thing that Dr. Gray brought up is that once you get a little bit better at it the level at which you were doing it in the beginning becomes boring because you know it's it's not fun to do something that you already know how to do and is like really easy so then you start challenging yourself and because challenging yourself makes it more fun and obviously the more you challenge yourself and as long as it keeps being fun you're going to keep doing it and the more you challenge yourself the better you're going to get and you know you start kind of taking in even like other aspects of it like let's say it's singing you know at first you're kind of just like thinking about like your pitch and you know the volume of your voice but then as you kind of get uh, onto another level you start thinking about all these other things like your breath and like how your posture and you know uh harmonizing and stuff like that because as things become easy you want to make it more challenging because then it's more fun and that's how you learn things
1: no totally i mean i think the best part is we've talked a lot about the high barriers to play, but really in in other respects, the barriers are much lower. If you wanna learn something, it's easier than ever to go on the internet and just get the tools to get started. And I do think that social media is a positive influence in the sense that in many regards, it forces you to be more creative, be more thoughtful, and it's not like you're trying to compete for likes but you're trying to have a genuine expression and you can't express yourself in an honest way if you don't think about it.
0: Mm-hmm, for sure. And, you know, like we were just talking about with the Instagram thing, I think that if you are thoughtful and if you have a genuine interest in something, you can kind of make almost anything in into play for yourself. And it doesn't have to be like a big hobby like woodworking or something like that. You know, like you can make Instagram into your, into your little hobby. And- doesn't have to be that serious, you know. I, I agree with what you're saying about having, like, tools and materials available because that's, you know, like with all those educational models I was talking about, a, a crucial part of all of those models is that the role of the teacher is to curate and provide um, an environment and materials so that the kids are able to play. And that is something that is mo- much more available now than, than it ever was. It's also e- even easier than ever – just meet people that you can do stuff with you know like i was in this meetup group where we just got together and sang and it was super fun and i was getting you know i've been getting better at singing through just through going to this group and it's totally a play you know we just get together and sing it's fun
1: no i mean i i just bought this ipad a couple weeks ago and it's a life changer Mm -hmm. in the sense it's now this little play device for me especially after this lecture where I'm starting to doodle more because I have the tools and mm-hmm. it's very low barrier, mm-hmm. um, and I even started on this little app the other day to like learn to code. I'm obviously not gonna like go be a hacker <laughs> in a year or be like a full time developer, but I like pretending I'm a hacker mm-hmm. doing these little puzzles with code, yeah. and it's so much fun and it brings me so much joy and it's literally going nowhere. Well, it, like yeah, but but that's why it's so much fun.
0: Totally. And I think that it is just pleasurable to to learn stuff, yeah. you know, and to just do new things and kind of like stretch your brain, you know, I think that is something that humans generally find enjoyable. You know, in in whatever way that you do, you know, like everybody has different interests, but I think kind of stretching your brain and stretching your abilities is is something that's fun. And and that's why that's why we're wired for play. You know, it's just it's it's a it's something that we need to do to, to help us, to help us grow. Cause that's kind of what we're like, what humans are all about is just like learning and growing all the time. Um, just kind of at the end here, um, I want to like throw out a few, like kind of, you were talking about like low barrier sort of ways for adults to play just to get a little bit of like pleasure and like brain stretching out of your life. Like, I think, uh, I think a good example is Instagram or like you know, if you're on Twitter and you, you like kind of writing little quips and stuff, like, you know, people are putting out really clever stuff on Twitter. If that's something you're interested in, like, that's, that's a way that you can play. As long as, again, you're not too focused on the retweets. Um, another thing I was just thinking of is you're, if you're into music and you have Spotify, you can curate like really cool playlists and share them with your friends, you know, like really get into like certain types of music and learn all about it. You can get into records and and start you know just diving into you know obscure genres and obscure artists and that's like that's another way that you can play
1: yeah and kind of building on that we you mentioned earlier how some forms of content can actually be play that kind of reminded me i know at least a few friends who just write short movie reviews online Mm -hmm and yes the world doesn't need another critic it also doesn't need another podcast and we still do it yeah who
0: cares Um,
1: but that forces you to think critically about some of the stuff you're watching Mm -hmm. and it forces you to learn more probably about art and what makes good movies Mm -hmm. and put your thoughts into words and produce a product that's rewarding in its own right Mm -hmm. um kind of a few other low barrier things i was thinking of just like learning a new board game and and playing it with friends. I think that's so much more stimulating and just the fact that you have to learn something new and think about things in in a different way. I mean, board game is almost literally play. Mm -hmm. Um, And even just like going to a lecture or hearing some author talk about their new book, It's just a little bit more stimulating content than watching a show you've seen a thousand times Mm -hmm. on Netflix Mm -hmm. for the 1,000th and first time, Mm -hmm. which we all do because we need to.
0: For sure. But yeah, you know, I think um, even though we're totally overworked and we spend way too much time working and we have no time, uh, you know, at the end of the day for ourselves, I think there are some some little ways that you can at least be mindful of how you're spending your time and – if you have a hobby, you know, keeping keeping some of these things in mind to make sure you're not accidentally turning it into work and stressing yourself out for no reason, I think is, is important just to, you know, enjoy your life, man, you know, and learn some stuff and grow as a human.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Life is meant to be enjoyed.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly.
1: So if you want to learn more about this topic and read some of the other things that Peter Gray has written, you can go check out his blog
0: psychologytoday.com, uh, and it's called The Value of Play. He wrote a whole uh, five-part series, I think it's five parts, on just all of this, all of this play and like his research and, and his
1: philosophies. Our final segment of the podcast is Watchlist. In this segment, we recommend one TV show or movie that's flying beneath the radar, but worth checking out. Our Watchlist recommendation this week is Wild Wild Country. This documentary follows the story of a religious movement that builds this utopian city in the wilderness of Oregon. The movement's ambitious settlement brings its followers into conflict with the long-term residents of a small, nearby town. This neighborly disagreement quickly boils over into a national scandal that ends up captivating the country. Quite simply, this documentary had us hooked. It's definitely one of those stories that's so crazy, I wouldn't believe it really happened if the filmmakers didn't have countless of hours of old footage from the time when it actually did happen. And not only is the story gripping, but the show plays with your allegiances in a way that you rarely see in TV. Really, at least for me, I was constantly reevaluating how I feel about both the small-town residents and the members of this movement. And so even though you know how the conflict turns out from the very first episode... I would say the stories and the characters really keep you hooked all the way until the very last. So if you're looking for something that's a little bit out of the ordinary, I definitely recommend you check out Wild Wild Country.
0: Yeah, definitely really interesting documentary. We pretty much tore through that in like three days. Highly recommended. Check it out. It's on Netflix. Uh, so that's about it for us. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, search for FWD—that's Forward—in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. We're also on Google Play, uh, or you can subscribe on SoundCloud.
1: Thank you so much for listening. If you ever have any questions, thoughts, or topic suggestions, you can email us at forwardpodcast at gmail.com. That's fwdpodcast at gmail.com. Goodbye for now.
0: Bye.